light and we're looking good You'll be in for a fight and we fight pretty good Getting goals is our job and we get goals good Looking good, we are Carlisle United Hello everyone and welcome to the Brunton Bugle The best place to get your Carlisle United fix in the podcast world I'm Lee Rooney And I'm Mike Boo. On today's episode, we'll be picking the bones of United's dreadful 4-0 defeat in our first ever trip to Sutton United last weekend while looking ahead to a nice, easy chance for the Blues to bounce back against tabletoppers Forest Green Rovers. Oh, this is going to be a fun one, Mike, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that was not an enjoyable fixture last weekend, I think it's fair to say. No, it wasn't at all, was it? It was uh, just, yeah, I mean, there was me thinking like, oh, I won't go to a, an away game as bad as Hartlepool for a while, and then, <laughs> you know, that happens. But I'll tell you what, I think we actually played worse at Hartlepool, believe it or not. Well, it just, just t- tells you all you need to know then, doesn't it? Yeah. Really? Um, well, let's get straight into it, Mike. Let's get into some news, because we've actually got a few bits of news to cover this time, haven't we, for once? So, uh, mm. before we talk about the Sutton United game, uh, first up, news, uh after the dreadful weekend defeat at Sutton, United decided to cheer us up slash distract us with a bit of good news. Uh, that's that midfielder John Mellish has signed a new two-year contract, including a one-year option to keep him at the club until the summer of 2023, although effectively it means he's here until the summer of 2024, doesn't it? Yeah. In in clearer terms. Uh, so he's been one of the few bright lights this season, hasn't he, Mike? I mean, he scored yeah. twice already this season and that takes his goal tally up to... 18 goals in 82 appearances. Now, I suppose the big question is which club is sniffing around that means Holtzoffer decided to extend his deal? <laughs> yeah, or, or is it agent patter? Because I think his agent's been doing him a bit of work to get him on talk sport and stuff, hasn't he? Uh, I don't know if it's... But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased that he's he's staying around. He, um, you know, I have had my shouts that I seem to be bringing up every week that I wouldn't mind seeing him get the armband, to be honest with you. Um but yeah, he seems in this team right now one of the only ones who actually gives a shit for the team. As, as you stated on Saturday, we'll cover that. Yeah, in a bit. Um, yeah, he seems to want to be here. That's the thing that stands out yeah. for me as well, isn't it? He, he, he's talked about the fact that you know he didn't really take much time to think about it. Deals put to him and said, "Yeah, that sounds good," and signed it. So you know, and, and I think he's improving as a player. I don't think anyone can yeah. doubt that. He, he's not perfect. He's not a rounded player, but you know, he's come up through non-league football. He's not come up through an academy. Mm where he's learned all, a lot of that stuff. So he, he's learning a lot of it on the job in one sense, isn't he? So, mm. you know, well, well done to the lad. And yeah, yeah, I think everyone can be say they're pretty happy to see him stay. Uh, other bit of news, uh, Sam Fishburne, uh, he's shown himself far too good for the uh, level he's been sent out to. So after he's uh, just one month of his half-season loan at Northern Premier League side, Premier League, Premier Division side, easy for you to say, uh, Lancaster City, he's been recalled by United, hasn't he, Mike? He's back at the Blues. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting because he, he's the top scorer at that level. Um, and my mate who's there was saying if he was to stay till January, he reckoned that he would still win the golden boot come <laughs> the end of the season. Um, yeah, but, you know, obviously we're, we're taking him back. Um, I've heard some murmurs that there's a club higher up the non-league pyramid that is, you know, where we're going to send him to or he might get a bit of a chance here, but... To be honest with you, I mean, the way that we're playing football, obviously, we'll get on to it in a bit. But, you know, we could have Karen Benzema up front. And if we're just lumping aimless long balls, he's not going to get a lot from it. I think it wouldn't do his development any good playing for us right now. No, that's true. But then in a sense, maybe it'd be worth looking at him over a couple of games and then 
maybe send him out to a National League North side or even to a National League side. I think I'd probably rather see him in National League North side because I think he'd get more mm. game time there. I think yeah. it would make more sense to send him to like a, a Chorley, for instance, maybe, or mm. you know, over to Gateshead, somewhere like that, maybe. I think yeah. that would benefit him a lot more. Live Spartans are at that level as well, I think. Yeah, obviously got ex Cal United players playing there. Mm. More on that in a minute. Uh, obviously later on in the show. Um, but yeah, no, it's it, it, he made his debut the other night in the competition. We don't like to talk about, but which is nice to see. It'd be interesting to see whether he's involved at the weekend as well, or if he goes out on loan before that. Obviously, we're recording this on Wednesday night, so we won't know <laughs> unfortunately mm. whether he's going out anywhere else or not before that. But there you go. A uh, little bit of bad news. Uh, Josh Dixon. I mean, it's just one thing after another for him, isn't it? The poor mm. sod. Um, despite signing a new two-year deal, something he's not yet featured in the league this campaign, and he's now been ruled out for a month after a knee op to resolve a cartilage issue. They do say after you've had those bad injuries that it does take quite a while, doesn't it, to settle yeah. down? I know, I know, it was well over a year ago now that he had recovered from the injury, but having had two of them, he's always going to have these probably niggly little issues that are going to come up, aren't they? So hopefully this mm. will help clear him out. And to be honest, I'd like to see him go on loan to a National League North or National League side, really, and get a bit of game time. Yeah, although we don't have a ton of depth in midfield to necessarily be able to afford to do that. I don't know. Possibly not. I mean, you've got Clough that can play there, and obviously Devine and Charles on the bench. I mean, he's not making the bench at the moment. You might as well send him out somewhere and get some mm. games under his belt. Uh, and the final bit of news was uh, United through to the next round of the Cumberland Cup. They saw off Langwaff be United 7-0 at Penrith's Frenchfield Stadium last week. It was a team mostly made of youth team players alongside professional keeper Scott Simons. And they saw off the Westmoreland League side with Charlie Watt, he, uh, the star of the show. He scored four goals alongside a brace from DJ Taylor and Dan Hill strike. And I, I watched the YouTube highlights of this, Mike. It, it could have been 20. Yeah. It was they, well, they, they, that to them, didn't it? Was it weird? Because they always say, you know, men against boys. But actually it was boys against men. And the boys were the ones who came out on top. I mean, to be fair... They're essentially a Saturday league, Sunday league side, aren't they? Langworth yeah. United, so it's no disgrace to them. I saw a few of their players commenting, I think, on the uh, Facebook posts, basically saying, you know, they're, they're far better than us. What do you expect? They've been professionally trained, so yeah. Yeah, but I, I think their, their keeper made a few good saves. Didn't he? he did, he did, to be fair. Uh, he hit the post a few times, I think, as well. Yeah, so uh, yeah, it's good to, you know, for them lads to ultimately be getting a run against men because you know they they're used to playing against other kids at the minute and mm. you know playing against actual men will you know obviously the scoreline was uh, made it look a walk in the park but it's it's all it's all good for them and playing in in front of something of a crowd that they don't always get for for the youth games yeah definitely all right mike we've put it off long enough we're gonna have to talk about it now <laughs> Southern united four Carl united nil uh it was a massive reality check on United's ambitions for this season last weekend as their yeah. first ever trip to Gander Green Lane ended up in their heaviest defeat in the league since the final loss at Cambridge in August 2014. A result you might remember, Mike, cost Graham Kavanagh his job. I was there that day and to be fair, that was a lot worse <laughs> than the Sutton United game was, I think it's fair to say. Um, can the Blues bounce back and start putting together a good run of form or is this going to be a long old slog of a season? I'm... It's hard to tell at the moment, isn't it? I mean, I feel that the answer to that question swings on whether or not Beach stays or goes. Um, yeah, I think it's it's that simple. If he, if everyone can seem to see that we need to play football with the players that we have, and mm-hmm. he seems to be the only person who can't see that, and it's 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 painful as a fan to just 
you know, you see us lose, you see these awful games, and then the following week, nothing's been learnt from it, and it's just it's just terrible to watch at the minute. Yeah, and obviously when we were leaving the game after afterwards, there was someone I think talking to us who said that they'd been speaking to a player's relatives. I won't say which player because it's not very really fair, and they were saying that basically the instructions are just bomb it forward as quickly as you mm. can. And it's it's worrying if that's that's the the basis of the tactics right now. It's mm. it's not great, is it? I mean, let's talk a little bit about the trip down before we actually talk about the game, Mike. Was it good day out, wasn't it? We actually enjoy, enjoy going out to London for a, yeah. an away game for the first time in a while. Um, started well for us though, didn't it? Because uh, I turned up at Lime Street Station to meet you and uh, Cameron, and uh, I'd forgotten to bring the match tickets. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, my uh, my lovely fiance Megan didn't have time to go back and get them and get back back to us before the train arrived. So, luckily. Sutton's mad A4 size QR code <laughs> tickets came in handy because she just sent me a photo of the QR code yeah. and the whole ticket, and that worked. We got in no bother, didn't we? So, but that being said, if they were normal tickets, you would have just been able to put them in your wallet, and that's that. But, yeah, I would have yeah. remembered them because they were so stupidly oversized, I couldn't fit them in my wallet. Yeah, so there you go. Um, yeah, nice little trip down the train. Obviously, went to Victoria Station, didn't we, for a pint? Met up with Dan mm. and a few of us there, and uh. They headed on a bit early. We got some scrum and then we went down to um, to Sutton and we had a drink at the old bank next to the station. I had a crack with a couple of um, Wimbledon and Sutton fans in there, didn't we? It was uh, yeah, yeah. interesting to have a chat with them while watching Chelsea against Man City. A lot of Chelsea fans in there. It was they were all saying it's you know this is typical, isn't it? You know, you got a club playing just down the road and they're all sat in here watching Chelsea <laughs> in the pub instead of actually going mm. to the match. But uh, yeah, the ground itself. Um, it, basic I think doesn't do it justice does it yeah that's one way of putting it I mean it's hard to get a, a like a good vantage point like, it was dreadful the view ev- yeah. I, I, it was one of those rare occasions where I looked and I thought I should have paid for a seat I mean I didn't mm. really want to pay five pound extra because the seats were crap anyway mm. I mean literally it was, a, it was a small temporary stand in the corner but you did get a view of the pitch at least and we didn't realise yeah. till I think well into the second half that you could actually stand on these little bits on the side of the pitch mm. but even there they were restricting the amount of people who could go in and then moving people yeah. around and yeah it wasn't very well organised by the stewards there it's it's not a million miles off Kendall's ground to be honest with you um, I mean it's a know. little bit bigger than like the main stand bits are yeah. It? yeah but generally you're right I mean on the side of the pitch, the terrace there where the home fans were in, I mean, they, God, they were miles away from the pitch, weren't they? I think yeah. it used to be a speedway around there as well, or maybe stock cars, something like that, mm. I think, the way it looked. But yeah, quite a basic setup. The terrace in behind the goal wasn't steep enough, so you could barely see even out the goal we were in front of, could you? So mm. it was, a, yeah, not not the best, I think it's fair to say. Um, and obviously the game itself was pretty bloody awful. But yeah. got, got back all right afterwards, didn't we? We... we, we we nearly got stuck at Warren Street Station because the tubes, uh, there was a breakdown at Victoria, wasn't there? But we managed to yeah. walk and catch the train back. And uh, yeah, just a great fun day out. It's one of those ones that I enjoy ticket off, but I probably won't go again, I don't think, to for a yeah, while. Unless, least, it, anyway. unless it's like an important one. Yeah, it's not yeah. like Orient where Orient, you know, you can you can go to Liverpool Street and then hop on the tube from there and a short walk to the ground and the pub's right mm. by the ground as well. That That's one you'd do again, isn't it, really? Because it's a yeah. decent day out. Whereas Sutton, it's a nicer place it was. It's just a pain to get to. Highlight yeah, of the well, day was probably seeing the people queuing to get petrol at the station, wasn't it? Yeah, I was just about to say that because it's a good, like, 20-minute walk from the st- station, isn't it? So we were like, oh, should we walk? Should we get a taxi? Oh, we'll walk. And we're glad that we did because, yeah, there's basically a petrol station in the middle of the town 
and the whole town was ground to a, a standstill because of people queuing up from every direction yeah. for this petrol station. So even like the buses waiting to go through, you had to stand and wait while people were queuing for petrol. It was yeah. absolutely ridiculous. But there you go. Well, let's talk about the game itself then, Mike. I don't think people want to hear uh, Judith Chalmers' impression of our, what our day out was like. But uh, <laughs> um, just a desperate effort all around, really, wasn't it? It was fair to yeah. say United fans weren't happy at the final whistle. The ones that were left... To say yeah. the least, because about half of them had already gone by that point, I think. Yeah. It, it, was just, it was just crap, really, wasn't it, Mike? It was, yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's not not too many uh, superlatives that uh, I'd want to use to describe it. It's just, I mean, you know, we can talk about tactics and this and that and the other, but I, I said it after Hartlepool, your formation, your lineup, none of it matters. If you're not going to win your first ball, your second ball, you know, if, you, if, if you're not going to challenge for your headers it, none, of, none of that stuff matters and we and we just we just weren't challenging you know it seems you know obviously you've got it written down there that only Mellish and Dickinson wanted to to win the game yeah they're, they're the only two players who come up with any credit we'll touch on that a little bit later um I mean you're right in a sense I still think tactics play a big part in our tactics oh no they, they, the they absolutely play, do yeah. yeah but I mean you could play the perfect formation and the perfect starting 11 and if they're not going to challenge for the ball, if they're not going to win 50-50s, yeah. if they're not going to win first, second balls, we're still going to lose. Yeah. <laughs> you it know? was a combination of the two things, really, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, it was a dreadful start. I mean, midfield and defence were cut like a hot knife through butter, weren't they? I mean, Riley, for me, has got to be stronger to to stop that first cross coming in. He yeah. did all right at the start, but then he just let the man get that step away and put the ball in. Mm. And then... It was originally sort of credited as an own goal by William, but actually I think watching back it probably was the striker's goal. But I've got to say, William could maybe do better, and we'll probably touch on this quite a bit through the four goals, but William played a part in all four, didn't he? He was not great mm, in this game, no. it's fair to say. I mean, you, I mean we, we couldn't really see what had happened in terms of him not stopping the first goal because of that crap view behind the goal, but mm. we all said straight away, well, what a great start, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and... Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Whelan, he, he struggled to deal with Bennett, to be honest. I think mm. they were sort of man for man for a lot of the game. And Bennett almost reminded me of, you know, we've we've said this before, sometimes in jest, sometimes been deadly serious, about John Mellish's third stage of evolution <laughs> as a centre-forward. And Richie Bennett kind of made me think of that. He was just... He's a little bit just, better on the ball, I think, than... Uh, yeah, than but he was just kind of a nuisance. And they weren't playing, like, long balls to him and using them in that way. Yeah. You know, he, he was just sort of helping link things up and causing problems with it, with his movement. Um, a lot of stuff was into his feet and into his chest, and he, and he was, yeah, he was yeah. comfortable with that. And he probably should have scored a couple of goals, maybe. But even though he didn't score goals... He had a good game. He was he was a yeah. bit of a nuisance. I put that as one of the end things to talk about, but mm. I, genuinely, I, I looked at him and thought, I'd have had him playing up front for us that day. Yeah. Definitely, mm. he would have linked play a hell of a lot better than, than mm. Alessandro did, sadly. But mm. um, but there you go. Yeah, I mean, the second goal, again, not great defending. Bennett wins the initial flick on from the throw. The ball comes down and then, but I think both Whelan and McDonald were a little bit too standoffish and mm. the player was allowed to get the shot away. And yeah, 2-0, it's, it's not looking great at halftime at that point. And, Second half, the third goal, I mean, again, Whelan shrugged off the ball far too easily in mm. the build-up. McDonald, I think, did quite well to stretch and clear it, because I think if he hadn't, he was going to fall straight to Bennett to score mm. in pretty much an empty goal. And it comes to the lad on the edge of the box, and a guy just too slow to, to close the player down, which is not like him. And mm. I think Norman's got to do better with this goal. I don't know what you think. 
Yeah, I mean, I th- I said it a while ago. We're going to say that a bit this season. I think I just Dan said in the last one that it'd be unfair to drop Norman at that point, and I don't think we're at that point anymore. I think mm. if Jensen got a, a run of games, Norman couldn't feel too hard done by. To be honest with you, no, I hundred percent agree with you on there. Um, the fourth goal again, Whelan lunged in. I don't know what he... I've watched this again and again and I'm not 100% mm. sure what he's doing. There's no foul. He just sort of lunges in and sort of almost goes over the ball. Mm. Misses it. The lad's clean through to score and, I mean, to be fair, Norman's got no chance with that, really. Mm. The lad's always going to score there. And Yeah, I think the thing that stands out is this Whelan just had a bit of a stinker, really. and He wasn't the only one, let's be fair there, but yeah. he, he didn't have a great game and didn't really help. And is it probably fair to say four didn't... Four actually flattered us a little bit? This because I, I think, mean, as much as like the stats are equal, and we'll talk about that in a minute, they had a few chances. They could have scored seven or eight, couldn't they? Yeah, definitely. I mean, they had one shot that you know I've just been slagging them off, but Norman did a very good save yeah. from. Yeah, he did um, that. But again, corners it seems almost. I mean, they had three headers from two or three corners. Bet Bennett had one, but he, to be fair, Bennett was actually stretching a little bit. But Norman comes and. It's in his six-yard box, and it's yeah. one of those ones you think, come and get something on it. And yeah. he didn't, completely missed it, and Bennett had an open goal, but he was stretching to get to the ball. and Yeah. It wasn't, it just wasn't. And, 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 and it seems one of the ones we clean, cleared off the line, they were shouting a handball, weren't they? Um, we, we could not tell from our view. No, from that far post, you couldn't see a single thing. No. I think it was but, blocked twice in that build-up to that as well. Yeah, but at the same time, because their players were haranguing the refs, shouting yeah. a handball, you don't see our players do that ever. Yeah. You know, yeah. and obviously it didn't get them the handball decision, but you know, our players just don't seem to do that, and it's just, uh, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think you're spot on. I think the scoreline did flatter us. I mean, it's it, it is weird seeing the the match stats because they make it seem like it was an even contest, and it it just wasn't at all. Yeah. I mean, as well, they could have had a fifth pretty much dead on the final whistle, couldn't they? Because the lad was clean through and on side. Yeah. And the ref blew the... I don't know, what was the ref thinking? I know it was dead on the four minutes, but he could have easily just played on that and let the lad go through and have a go. And and to be honest, Chris Beach is probably very lucky because I know it doesn't sound like much, but 5-0 compared to 4-0. Mm. Well, I, I think as well, not only that, but I think uh, four minutes was generous from the referee. I, th- I think the referee felt sorry for us because yeah. um, that uh, Mampala red card... You know, uh, th- th- their lad was down injured for, you, you know, th- them them bad leg breaks that you might see like every <laughs> three years or so. Yeah. That's how long he was down for. And yeah. then he got back up and played on. And we actually gave the Sutton physio team a, a standard ovation, didn't we, as, as they came <laughs> back round past the away end because they performed an absolute miracle to to cure him from near death. Well, well let's talk about the red card now then. Um yeah, Mampala came on. He was the first sub that was brought on. A little bit of a surprise, that, because you know, Young's look quite lively mm. in the games he's played and you've got Clough on there as well. But he chose to bring on Mampala and he, again, he looked very raw, didn't he? He, did, he, look, he, he yeah. looked like he was told them to go and cause a bit of nuisance rather than actually in a sort of real game plan as to what he was supposed to do. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think that was the thing with the subs in general, to be honest. It was just mm. sort of taking off defensive players, putting on attacking players and giving them no further instructions. Just, yeah. yeah uh, but yeah, uh, I mean... Fair's you... a little bit harsh. I've seen it again. And it's one of those ones that the player sort of kicks the bottom of his foot, really. He sort of stre- He's had a bad first mm. touch and he's stretching to get the ball. 
And he's not really gone like stamping down on the players for anything like that. The player basically, he's going to touch the ball, player gets there first and he kicks, the player kicks the bottom of his foot essentially. Mm. But at the same time, it, it, it's, it's a poor touch and it's one of those ones. He, he's got to be able to react quicker there really, hasn't he, I think. Yeah, um, but it's one of them for me. Obviously, he's coming off the bench. If, if, if it started and that had happened in the first minute, I'm not sure that you'd see a card necessarily. Um, Maybe not. Um, and you know the second one as well. I mean, I, I know that you think it's a bit reckless, sort of jumping in like that. But you've got to, like, you cu- you've got to sort of use your arms when you're jumping. And you know, he, he just challenged for the ball. And I think it, it was one of them. And it seems to be quite a trend at the minute in football. And that if a player's going down and he seems badly hurt, the referee just gives a red card. And you know, I'm, uh, I'm in two minds of this one because I've watched it back and I've watched it back on slow motion on YouTube now. I actually think he wins the header, if you watch it. Mm-hmm. I think it's more of a clash of heads, if anything. And I think he wins the header. But if you slow it down enough, you notice his arm is across and raised and he jumps into the player and he probably may... It's hard to tell if he does catch him, but it looks like he does. If you're already in a booking, don't be going doing that. Mm-hmm. You're giving the referee a chance to make that decision. That, that's It's a bit of naivety, I think, from a young player there, maybe. And hopefully he'll learn a lesson from it. It's one of those ones, I think, the ref could have easily just said, look, calm down, that's your last warning. And at that point, Beach would have had a decision to make, do I actually sub him off here, having already mm. brought him on? That would have probably been the decision. But it's one of those ones, I'd, I'd, I'm, I'm a little bit annoyed being given against us, but if it was the opposition player, I'd probably be screaming for it as, you know, as well to be given. It, it's tough. It, it, it's, it's a big mm. learning curve for him. He's going to have to learn because he's going to miss a game now. You know, mm. and... If, Chances are Fishburne's going to be the one who comes on the bench. Mm. And if he comes on and does well, well, Mampala might struggle to make the matchday squad. Yeah, well, you say Fishburne, but obviously Jimmy Torre has been down the pecking order as well. So, mm. yeah, it'd be interesting to see. And he and he looked lively, apparently, that game in week, midweek. Mm. Uh, I don't know who it was against. It must have been some random uh, bounce game or something. But there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, so Mampala, big lesson to learn there. We touched on it already, but Norman... He's just not commanding his air, is he? he no. And I think that's probably affecting the defence as much as anything because they don't look like they're confident with him mm. in front of them. It, it's yeah. one of those ones, that if, like you say, if Jensen comes in, I don't think Norman could complain too much at the moment, could he? No, I don't think he could. And like I say, pretty much every corner that they had, they looked like scoring from, whereas yeah. every corner that we had, we just didn't look like scoring yeah. from. And again, and that's, that's one of, are we losing a bit of aerial threat this season and have yeah, guys set think- pieces not been as good? Yeah, I think obviously losing an aerial threat because um, I mean sometimes it's not even the players who are the aerial threat themselves. I mean, like look back years ago when we had Lubo Mikulic and Peter yeah. Murphy. Mikulic didn't score many headers off corners, but there'd be like two men watching him, mm. and then Peter Murphy would just ghost into the far post and and score. So yeah, sometimes you know obviously like we had, we had the likes of um, Hayden Coyote, Hayden Coyote, uh, Bennett yeah. causing problems, and then. Sometimes it'd just be Zanzala would poke it in, you, yeah. you know, and yeah. So I, th- I think I think we miss that sort of aerial threat massively, both defending and attacking corners. Um, at the moment, we've only really got McDonald and Mellish, haven't we? Yeah, um, but, Mellish will get you goals, but McDonald's not really going to offer a goal for it. He's not that kind of player. So. No, but f- f- for me, keepers, if the corner's going in the six-yard box, you should be having it. You should yeah. be getting something on it, and he just doesn't. And it's it's terrifying every single time we can see the corner. Like like I say, they had a couple of free headers 
which you know that's not it's not Norman's fault that they're free headers because yeah. the defenders should be uh, picking them up. But yeah, he, he, he needs to he really really needs to do better. Um, Commanding his area. Yeah, so we've said there before that Mellish and Dickinson are probably the only two players to come out with credit, I think. I mean, we only had really two clear chances all afternoon, didn't we? And they both fell to yeah. Mellish. Yeah. First one, actually, to be fair, Gibson did well to get a good low crossing. Yeah. And Mellish, kind of player he is, he's just instinct, isn't he? He just flicked it yeah. with his right foot and the keeper made a good save. Yeah, he, I mean, he, I've heard people calling that a sitter and I disagree with that, to be honest. There, there wasn't a, at all. No, exactly. Um, and it, it, was, it was a very good save. As well. Yeah, it was just instinct, wasn't it, from both of them? Yeah. Instinct for the shot, instinct for the save. It's yeah. you know, just the way it is. And the second half chance, he created himself, really. It was almost yeah. a Gazaresque, wasn't it? Flicking over the yeah. defender's head and then couldn't quite get the volley past the keeper. It was kind of tight angle, wasn't it? There wasn't yeah. really, he probably should have gone across the other way, but just mm. had to take the shot as quickly as he could. So, And like I said, Dickinson got in some really good positions, especially the first half. And he, he was whipping balls across the box and... There was no one there. That's the problem when you play Alessandro as your main striker. Mm. He is not going to get in the box. Last season, we got away with it because we had the likes of Coyote and Patrick, who, especially Coyote, would get into the box, wouldn't he? He'd mm. move away from his wing position to get into the box. Mm. We just don't have that now, do we? No, and I feel like, you know, it's easy for us to say we need sort of someone in that number nine role scoring goals, but I think Dickinson misses that more than anyone. I think if we had a number nine banging in goals, Dickinson would be banging in the assists. Yeah. You know, um, and and Dickinson as well. It's it's worth mentioning. He was the first one to come over to the fans after the game. Um, yeah, he got a bit of stick, and I think that was a bit harsh. I think. Yeah. I mean, I heard a few people saying, "Why are you clapping them?" I said, "Well, we both said, didn't we? The only mm. two we really clapping is Mellish and Dickinson because they've actually yeah. and Dickinson came over and fronted up, and I, there's no need to be giving him abuse. He, anyone could see that he worked his backside off, and he was up. He was genuinely looked gutted at the mm. final whistle. And, yeah. and you said like Mellish at one point he cut the ball back to Clough and. Clough didn't get to it and he kicked the advertising hoarding because he was so annoying. Yeah. yeah. You can see how much it really does mean to him and Yeah, I mean I mean the whole team should have been kicking advertisement hoardings or or yeah. or pooling their pay together to hire a digger to <laughs> destroy the ground because they're so angry. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it's it's just it's just absolutely pathetic. And I think that the big thing for me after the game is that other clubs, it would be like absolute hell to pay. But I kind of feel like with us, there's just a sense of apathy. Like it happens and yeah. that's that and that's what... It kind of feels like we're in a cycle of we have one season where we do really well and just miss out. Mm. End up having the bones picked out of our team or players leave. Next season, it's just a bit shit. Yeah. Struggle a bit. And then the next season, we then have a good season, but we don't quite do it. It just feels like a continuous cycle and... It, yeah, just, I mean, it just gets tiresome and eventually that cycle will break and it won't be a break by going up. It'll be a break mm, by going the other direction the way things yeah, go with us. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, I, I mean, I have kind of thought for a while that we might re- beat Rochdale's record of been in this league for, what, 30, 40 <laughs> years or whatever it was. Right, going, um, yeah, because yeah, it just seems that... I mean, I'd like to say that we won't go down again, but... Yeah, you, you just you just never know the, the way things are going. We're certainly in a, a spiral of decline overall, aren't we? Yeah, it's it's not great at the moment, is it? Um, post-match interview-wise from Beach, um, said it was unacceptable and not good enough. And then literally two minutes later, says he saw some things he likes in that performance. Mm. And I, I mean, he may have only said a few things, but sorry, but just, just don't say that. Even if you <laughs> are thinking that deep down... 
you've got to front up and say to the fans, it's just unacceptable. They need to be better. Mm. They need to be doing more. I need to do more, stuff like that. But he just came across as quite a little bit blase in the interview for Monarchs after, after yeah. he made that apology. And, you know, he came over to the fans. He seemed to be smiling. And I was like, oh, how can you be smiling after a game like well, that? Well, you say he came over to the fans, but he did the sort of the way, sheepish... No. no, he sort of... I don't think he left the centre circle, really. Do you know what I mean? He just sort of... Yeah, I think he, he knew that they'd be getting absolute pelters. Like, um, and he, he mentioned about the fact, oh, you know, we may be a bit funny, but actually, you know, stats-wise, we had as many shots, we had more corners. He's like, don't care. It's stat padding. And you know what? Yeah. It, it, it's so misleading, that stats, because I tell you what, eight or nine of those shots were long-range efforts that were straight at Buziannis that yeah. pretty much any keeper at this level didn't, would save. Didn't test him at all. Yeah, No. I mean, they, they could have had their under-nines keeper in and he would have, he would have stopped most of them. Tell you um, what, some of those lad, kids playing at half-time on the pitch, they were some of their efforts were better than ours. <laughs> I tell you that well, much yeah. now. Mm. They, they got a better applause than any Carlo player did. Mm. This tells you all you need to know. Um, the subs, I mean, it just felt, like you said, it just felt like we were just throwing players on for the sake of it, weren't we? I, mm. It was hard to tell what we were doing at times. It, I mean, Dickinson ended up a left back, Riley at right back. I mean, Riley didn't have a great game either, I should say, actually. No, he and we are big fans of his, but yeah. yeah, I agree. And that, and then, like I said, Mampala didn't seem to know what his job was. He was just sort of busying about, and you know, we saw his impact at the end of the day with his two bookings. Um, Young, I felt a bit for because I think he put a bit of effort in. You can you can see it as a player there, can't you? And I mean, yeah. I mean, bringing on Clough, you're probably your best player, let's be honest, mm. after you're already down to... 10 men what's the point yeah no exactly what is the and point? you know Clough did uh, create that chance for Young that was yeah. you know obviously well outside, outside but yeah. Um, but yeah I mean it, you could you could see that there's a there's a player in there in there with him um, and it'll be interesting to see what we do but if, if we're not going to play football there's no point having a Clough in the team no, exactly you, you, you bang right there and it's it, it, it's continuously frustrating as to how much we're we're just making the same mistakes every game. Yeah, playing I mean, this long ball football, and I, I tell you what, you, you couldn't have wished for a worse game, really. Or, I mean, some of it might say actually a better game because you know people will see as the underdog, and you know we're not not expected to win it. But top of the table coming next week, this weekend, don't fancy our chances. No, I, I, and they've they've rolled over much better teams than us. Um, well, I say better teams than us, teams that have been playing better than us, mm. I'd like to say, because I I do believe, even after everything that we've seen, we do have a good team on paper. And yeah. I, I've said it along, there's three things that make a quality manager at our level. And the first one is your recruitment, which Beach has been very good at, to be fair. I'm not yeah. going to take yeah, anything no, away no, there. That's, that's uh, fair. Your second one is your tactics, which have just not been there. And your third one is your ability to just get players to run through brick walls for you. Mm. And I, I feel like John Mellis will run through brick walls for anybody. <laughs> like, you know? Well, I feel like we had that last season, but it, yeah. it, it's increasingly game by game. Those players have to be conceded, their heads drop and they don't look yeah. like they believe they'll exactly. get back into a game. Exactly. I mean, Beast's and, record of getting his back into games when we're behind is not great anyway. We know that. No. That's been bad from... I think we've managed to win once, I think, from behind mm. so far, I think, which was against Leighton Orient. I think we've only managed something like 10 points from positions where we're behind in mm. games, which is yeah. pretty dire for how many games he's Exactly, and and to be honest, like I feel like if, if we get really beat sooner rather than later, we've still got a chance to save this season because, I do, like, like I said, I do believe that we have a good team and I, I would take are someone... Are you firmly in the beach out camp now then, or are you? I am so far in the beach out camp, like I'm... 
I've I've got my tent. You know, it's uh, yeah, it's. It, I, I've said all along. I, you know, some of the performances have you walking the tightrope, tight tightrope of beach in or beach out. But his post-match comments just send me over the edge. He's just it just doesn't have hey. a clue. And you know, I, I don't expect any manager to win. But learn from it when we don't, and that is what isn't happening, and it's so frustrating. Yeah, no, you're right. It's, it's a it's a it's a fair point. Um, although I'd argue you didn't sound like you got a tent set up. You sound like you've got a static home and everything, and <laughs> you, you're going full hog. Um, I mean, I am. I'm still a little bit on the fence. I still think if you can get a result against Forest Green and then actually get us on a run, okay, you might start to believe a little bit more. But there's got to be a change, a slight change in philosophy at the very least. We're mm. not talking about going playing. I mean, I said I did the the fans for us of the game already really and I said. I don't want us to be peak Guardiola Barcelona. Mm. I just want us to play the ball a little bit more. Mm, not exactly. and every time McDonald gets the ball and he's about to launch it, you're like, oh. and that's not McDonald's fault. He's been told to do that. Mm, that's exactly. the instructions of the manager. So, oh, it's just it's one thing after another, isn't it? Um, but the, yeah, like like you say, it's it's, it's been an interesting uh, game this weekend. And whether Beach learns his lesson, I mean, if we don't, if we, if we get. We'll get on in a minute, actually. There's no point in talking about it now because we're about to re- preview the Forest Green game. So, tell you what, Mike. Oh, in fact, before we finish, actually, Dan did actually send me over his uh, thoughts on the Sutton game. So, let's have a quick listen to what Dan had to say. Quick few thoughts on the debacle that was Sutton. Uh, we don't do ifs, buts, or maybes. We do absolutes. <laughs> Some people might know where that quote's from. And that was absolute dog shite. It really, really was. It was... It was on a par with the 6-0 at half-time by Betty. It just wasn't very good. I'm not going to ramble on about it. I'm pretty sure Lee and Mike have uh, covered it, but uh, just not good enough, I'm afraid. Oh, succinct and to the point there from Dan. Fair play. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there you go. So that was Dan's views on it. Um, a little bit more from Dan on his predictions for the uh, Forest Green game and the play for both shortly, because we're going to be back soon to preview the Forest Green game. We'll be back in just a jiff. I need to record some more uh, half-time stings, don't I, for the show? I keep forgetting to do them. Get get the booing. Get the booing. Well, I need to get some, just a one long boo. I, I, I had someone after the game compliment me on my booing, and I said, thank you, I've, I've had a lot of practice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We had a few people, actually, I should say, after the Sutton game, uh, come up and say, oh, you'll, be, uh, you'll have to be uh, calming down for the podcast by the time you record. So, <laughs> yeah, thanks to those people who spoke to us. Um so this season, the second half of the show has been sponsored by the Cal United Sports Club London Branch. The London Branch is open to all Cal United fans. They've got members from Cornwall to Dundee and Houston to Singapore. And of course, every part of London and the South East and all fans up in Cumbria as well. They regularly meet up on away trips as well as arranging many social events and sports games and do fundraising for the club. should say they actually had an event, didn't they, at Sutton Cricket Club, which mm. they uh, mentioned a few times. Um, so yeah, the, uh, they'll be providing us with information for the away games as part of the preview section this season too. You can find out more about the London Branch at their website, org. We would have had a full thing from them actually on the last episode uh, previewing the Sutton thing, but obviously with me being on holiday, just weren't really able to... Uh, to fit that in, um, I had a nice little holiday. I should, should, should say, actually, a few people asking me about me at the game, 
um, saying, how did it go? It was all right. I was supposed to go to Barcelona v Granada, but it absolutely chucked down. And when I say chucked down, I mean really chucked down uh, at the game <laughs> on the day. So we ended up actually sacking it off because <laughs> we had seats right up in the gods. And as you'd imagine, we travelled to Barcelona without any waterproofs because you don't really think of taking waterproofs when you go to Barcelona, do you? So there you go. No. Okay, well, uh, let's get on to talk about the Forest Green Grovers game then now, uh, Mike. And uh, as usual, we catch up with the opposition at this point in the show. And uh, this week, we spoke to our old friends Nathan and Sham at uh, the excellent Forest Green Rovers podcast, Heaven's Devils. If you don't know them, they're the two Americans who follow Forest Green and they've got their own podcast. Genuinely give it a listen if you give it get the chance. I was on their show this week as well and... They're nuts, aren't they, Mike? They're, yeah. They're very, very typically very enthusiastic Americans. They're, <laughs> as they say, we're a big American dummies who don't know anything about football. But, but they actually do know quite a bit. No, they do. They're, they're very knowledgeable. And they're very knowledgeable on League Two as well. They're more knowledgeable than they actually give themselves credit for, I think it's fair to say. But it's, uh, it tends to say it's, it's very different to all the other podcasts you listen to, so it's, a, it's worth a listen. Um, on, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a slight side note, I say, say they know a bit about football. Um, when I was in the States, I was there during the 2010 World Cup. And I convinced people that because the UK are five hours ahead, I'd just call my dad and I knew the result from the final and I wasn't going to tell, tell anyone <laughs> it. And they actually believed me. So, yeah. Oh dear. That doesn't tell you much about the American education system, does it? <laughs> there you go. Um, so yeah, we talked about their long distance spot for the for Rovers from New York City, how they foster close links with the club itself and why they're, they've made such a good start to the season. So here's the chat I had with the guys early this week. Okay, so here we are with this week's Opposition Fans podcast bit, and uh, it's one of the ones I've been looking forward to, because it's our old friends from Forest Green. Probably the the only people we were close with last season was the guys with the Lowdown podcast, who we spoke to, I think, five times. They were like, most of the more (laughs) that I did to my parents, I think, last year. Um, I love those guys, though. Sorry, uh, don't interrupt your your intro, but I love those guys. Shout out Julian. Yes, shout out to Julian, indeed. Yes, it's the guys from the Heaven's Devils podcast. The US-based Forest Green podcast. How's it going, guys? Oh, wonderful, man! Wonderful. We're feeling great. Uh, it's a part of the season for sure. Yeah, beautiful day here in New York City. It's been amazing here. Uh, we had a well, we had kind of a disappointing draw yesterday against Tranmere, but just this season has been we've been on fire. We've been so consistent. So it's been and we've been scoring goals like crazy. So you know, for a couple of dumb Americans. Uh, that's what we look for. We just want to see goals. That's all we care about. Score, score, score. Me and his flowing, so we're happy. That's right. That's right. Brilliant. Uh, well, we'll get on to actually how Forest Green are doing this season shortly, but it's a long time since we obviously spoke to you last. Um, how are you still finding following Forest Green from afar? Because I've been following you on Instagram. So like you seem to have built up a little sort of fan base, a little fan group over there almost. And you go watch the games in bars and stuff like that. It seems to be really a, a real community building there. Oh yeah, it's been oh, it's been brilliant. Uh, that, that's the the beauty of the pod is we've been able to connect and meet so many other people who are like us, who are just like international fans who loved what FGR does off the pitch in terms of the the green initiatives, uh, the vegan stuff. You know, different people you know are attracted to Forest Green for different reasons. Some people solely for the the environment, others solely for the vegan stuff, others for both. Um, and so we knew that there were other people like us out there. That's kind of why we made the pod for that, you know, that international fan who was curious, who had no relationship to Gloucestershire. Uh, but we wanted to try to bring, you know, bring that group together and, and try to build a connection between the club and fans like us. And uh, yeah, it's been, it's been, we've been so lucky because we've met. 
people here in the city, people all around the world, actually. Um, and we've been able to build like a little FGR NYC fan club uh, of about 25 of us on, a, on our best day. <laughs> but I think we're growing. And, and you know, every, all, all the time we're getting, you know, DMs from from other people in the city who are like, oh, I just found out you know, about you guys. I'm really interested in Forest Green. Uh, we'd love to come. You know, I'd love to come to a watch party. Uh, so we try to do a few watch parties, um, you know, a year. I don't know. We're going to do like five or six this year if we can, uh, where we just go to a bar. It's remember it's early here, so it's 10 a.m. So yeah. we need to get a bar to open up for us, uh, get their big screen, and then we all watch it. Uh, we all watch it there. Um, but when we don't have the big watch events, you know, we just get together as uh, as friends, either at my house, at Shams' house. Uh, we have another uh, friend, actually, who's from the area. He's from Slad, which is a little village near near uh, England. So we go to his house and we just get together and watch the game. And something really cool, actually, I mentioned like how cool it is that we meet people from all over the world. Uh, so one of the one of the people we met uh, through this was a fan from Israel who just happened mm. to be in in New York City yesterday. And yeah. so we invited him over and we watched the game together. And it was it was just so fun. So fun. So. And yeah, Sean, and, yeah you may not understand this. Uh, you know, New York City is a big, big city. Obviously, everybody knows yeah. it. There are a bunch of sports teams. But the number one sport for people in New York City is canceling plans. We <laughs> have difficulty of sometimes getting everybody together to, to support is it, a bit high, but we've just been pleasantly surprised with the enthusiasm and uh, people's willingness to kind of meet and support the club. I think you had a little move, didn't you, to watch that uh, playoff game against Newport last season? I mean, how hard was that to watch the heartache of that? Because I watched that at home on, on Sky over here. And it was an incredible game. I mean, the conditions yeah. were absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but I mean, considering you'd managed to drag, because it looked like you almost were going to miss out on the playoffs and you managed to drag yourself just about back into it. Uh-huh. And obviously the Jamil Matt injury didn't help things either, but yeah, it, it, it must've been so difficult, especially as you had been in the top three for so long to watch that. It, it was such a roller coaster of emotions, you know, the second match. I mean, the first leg was just kind of disappointing, but mm. uh, we had faith. We had faith in our interim manager, Jimmy Ball. We had faith in the boys. And it was a surprise to all of us. Jamil, Matt, Dan Sweeney both came back. We didn't expect either of them to be to be healthy. They were on the bench for the first Newport match. It was like a surprise to everybody. They got in for the last few minutes and then they started against Newport in the second leg. And uh, yeah, we, we got off to a crazy start. Did we score two or three goals in the first half? I don't remember two or three goals. We and then we were um, we, we were ahead on aggregate out of nowhere. And we were just like, oh, my God. And we were just dominating play. Uh, we felt like, oh, this is over. We're going. We're going to the finals, baby. And then Newport comes comes roaring back, gets two or three goals. I forget what the final scores, but whatever. They go they go back. They, they we're, we're even. And then they go ahead on goal difference. And now we're like, oh, no, it's over. Yeah. The dream's over. And then JAMA scores, I think, in the 87th, 88th minute, something like that, uh, to bring us back even, send us to extra time. And then extra time again, like we're, we're there the whole time we're in it. We're like, oh, we're going to PKs. We're going to penalty kicks, penalty kicks. And then boom, New, Newport, yeah, just break our hearts the last second. 119th minute or something, right? It was, yeah. Yeah, it was 119th. It was Maynard, wasn't wow. it? Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, so, so you we got were... the 89-year-old man, uh, Kevin Ellison, coming on for or playing for. <laughs> oh, he had a beautiful goal, too. Beautiful goal against us in that game. Just one oh, unbelievable goal. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we were definitely disappointed, but we also felt a, a big sense of pride because of, of how the boys played mm-hmm. under all this adversity, sacking a manager, having this brand new interim manager come mm-hmm. in for the last few games. 
and and being down, I think it was 2-0 on aggregate to Newport from the first leg and just come at fighting and coming back. Uh, right. The fight that they showed was like yeah. a morale booster. And that's what it felt like, a moral exactly. victory, even though the ultimate result didn't go our way and it's the end of our season. We felt like we ended the season on a high in terms of like the spirit at the club. Yeah, it was, it was great momentum going into this season. I mean, it was, it was a, quite an introduction for you guys to the craziness of the the, the playoffs <laughs> in the football league they are genuinely yes. by far the most entertaining games you'll see all season just because teams oh, go, oh yeah they don't, they don't care they i mean yeah we played against exeter a few seasons ago and i think over like the previous three games we played against four games we played with i think the aggregate score was something like 12 11 or something like that. i think we drawn with them free free twice oh my god and we drew the first playoff game free and then the second game, we lost 3-2 to a 96-minute winner, which was quite wow. devastating, as we managed to get it back again like you in the 90th minute. <laughs> so it looked like we were going to take a extra time, but there you go. Um, yeah, so, so we talked about the fact that your podcast is quite unique for a lower league club, obviously looking from a completely different angle from most, including ours. And over the last few months or so, you seem to be getting a real good link with the club as well. You get into these with a lot of the players with obviously the management and obviously the owner as well, Dale Vince, I think he did one with you guys, didn't he? Yeah. What's that like being? What, 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 how has that felt to be able to have that close link with the club from so far away? Super surprising for one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everybody to say no. I mean, very politely, yeah. <laughs> but very firmly saying no. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So when Sean and I first made this, well, first of all, the idea to make this podcast kind of came from a, a drunk text from me to Sham, like, hey, we should, you know, whatever, we should do a Foursquare Girls podcast. Uh, and anyway, so we made the first episode. It was awful. And we were like, oh, no one's going to listen to this. Not even our wives are going to listen to this. And, and we were right. Our wives didn't listen to it. But uh, but anyway, yeah. So <laughs> five minutes and then decided. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it, it's just been, like Sham said, surprising, unexpected. Uh, but it just shows like the magic of lower league football and how it's different from the, you know, from the top leagues, how it really is like a community and they, you feel like you, you really are part of the club. You feel like you have an impact on what happens in the club. You have a voice and, uh, and we've just been so privileged that the, that the club, that the players uh, have been so generous with uh, their time to like come speak to two idiots like us. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're just so grateful. And as long as they're willing to talk, you know, we're, we're always, you know, willing to have them on. Um, but yeah, we, we've just been so lucky in that respect. Uh, and, and I think that's kind of like, you know, Sham and I are dummies. We don't know what we're talking about, especially when it comes to football. We're, we're just dumb fans. Uh, so what the pod kind of does is, is we, we bring on players and we bring on members of the club with the, with the goal of sh- helping fans connect with, with yeah. these players, with these clubs, like in terms of who they are off the pitch as, as human beings. Uh, we want to try to build a, a bigger, you know, a bigger, a stronger relationship there rather than analyze football, which is something Sean and I absolutely cannot do. <laughs> <laughs> we like to the likes of you, Lee, and much more knowledgeable folks. So we're just, yeah, we're just trying to have fun and build that connection a little bit. And we're, we're hoping to learn too. So maybe in a couple of years, you know, uh, we, I can vary with the right amount of stain, say the name Priestley Farquhard or whatever the name of the dude. <laughs> Farquhar, I think. Greatest name in League Two. <laughs> yeah. um, let's, let's talk about the start of this season then. I mean, you mentioned that you've had the momentum of getting yourselves back into the playoffs last season and doing fairly well, albeit getting beaten in the semis last year. You seem to have just 
got off to a flying start. I mentioned when we had a chat for your podcast that all three of us on the podcast, I think this season, predicted you guys would finish top three. Um, wow. I went for top spot, so I'm, I'm pretty pleased with how things are going so far. Um, you must be over the moon with how things have gone. I mean, what, what's been the big difference from last season? Because the new gaffer's come in and he seems to just take into it like a duck to water because it's his first job as a, at an EFL level club, isn't it? I think he was at Telford before, something like that. But mm-hmm. he seems to have done a brilliant yeah. job. What's, what's been the big secret? That's it. I mean, I think that's it. Rob Edwards is the secret. Uh, because, well, not just Rob Edwards. I want to say also a huge credit to Dale and our director of football, Richard Hughes, because they were able, able to keep some really key players. And, and we've kept pretty much the same squad as last year. We've added a few critical components. You know, one of the things that really cost us last season is in the midfield. We had, we had a bunch of injuries, a slew of injuries, and we didn't have players who could step up and kind of yeah. take on those roles. And so that was a huge, huge point of the recruitment. I think we brought in four midfielders. That, I don't know if that's right, but we brought in a ton yeah. of midfielders. Um, so we brought in, you know, pieces uh, that we that we were missing, and we've kept pretty much everyone else the same. And that's a huge credit to Richard Hughes because there were some guys like Dokes, uh, who we thought was gone for sure uh, to to Cadden. a bigger club. What's that? Maybe even Cadden might get. Dicky Cadden, yeah. Well, his yeah. contract wasn't up, but the fact that we've kept him because he's he's destined for he's you know big things player. as well. Really, really like him. Really like him. Oh, he's brilliant. Yeah. So so I think yeah, the the front office or I don't know how you, if that's what you call it in the UK, but. You know, our our, uh, our director of football, uh, Richard Hughes, has been a huge on the on the personnel side. I think we have one of the most talented squads. And then with with uh, Rob Edwards, he's just injected this belief, this confidence in the in the boys. We actually we just talked with Nathan. It's also uh, Richie Kyle, too. Like uh, we yeah, hear sorry, yeah, players as well because Rob Edwards is the manager, but he has this assistant. And I feel like together with their England youth experience. It seems mm-hmm. like they brought a fresh um, kind of message to, to the younger squad players. Uh, and at the same time, maybe utilizing and harnessing the wisdom of some, a player like Jamma, like Jamil Matt. Um, so, yeah, they seem to have struck a chord and uh, it's working for now. You know, but as we say, long may it continue, but we'll see. It's a long mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I'll give you a, a, just a quick example here. Like we, we just spoke with Maddie Stevens, our striker, currently the top, the, the leading scorer in League Two, the current League Two player of the month. So he, he, we just talked to him right before we talked to you, actually, Lee. He was on the pod uh, an hour ago. And um, we asked him, like last year, he scored three goals in 28 mm-hmm. appearances. He was with us, and then he went, went on loan to Stevenage. Three goals, 28 appearances. He's got six goals in nine appearances. And we're like, you know, what's, what's the difference? Uh, and he's just, He's like Rob Edwards, Richie Kyle. They, they believe in me. They, they, they've shown trust in me and they've helped me believe in myself. And I, every player we talk to, same thing. They feel emboldened mm-hmm. to take chances, to take risks. And, uh, and it, it's made all the difference. I think it kind of shows, isn't it? Because there's a, there's a terminology that's used over here. I don't know if you guys have heard it before. The managerial merry-go-round. But basically, there's a select group of managers who just end up getting the same right. jobs. They fail at one club, end up going Mm. to another club, and round and round it goes. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it just helps to pick someone who hasn't been on that managerial middle ground, and Mm -hmm. he's fresh, he's got new ideas. I mean, we got that from Beach. Beach had never been a manager before he came to us. He'd been a caretaker a couple of times, but he'd been an assistant coach at Rochdale for years. So he came in with completely new ideas as a manager. It's not quite working right now, but, you know, (laughs) came in at least, and he got got something new into the team, whereas we've, we've, in the past... We had John Sheridan as manager, who's a an interesting character to say the least. He, he's a man who 
clearly hates having to be a football manager. We, we beat Oldham 6-0 on Boxing Day one day and he was complaining after the game about players not putting effort in in certain mm. situations. And you're like, how can you not be happy? We just beat someone 6-0. Yeah. It's Christmas, come on. Um, but yeah, it just shows the, the advantage, doesn't it? Um, so who are the key players to watch out for then uh, this season, guys? Because we know the obvious ones. I think it's Boo Adams is there, isn't it? And also you mentioned, I mean, I, I, so- I, I really rate Nicky Cadden. I genuinely think it's one of the best Wing backs, full backs in, in the division. Who else should we be looking out for? Yeah, well, I just want to quickly say one thing about what you just said. Uh, Dale Vince literally said exactly what you said. He's like, we don't want to go the traditional route and get a manager for you know one of these like League Two, League One managers. Yeah. Everyone knows we we want to you know kind of break the mold, bring in someone with fresh ideas. So you're spot on with that. Uh, on on good play on our best players. You actually mentioned Ibu Adams. Interestingly, Ibu has not started the last two matches, yeah. and I don't know that he'll start against Carlisle. So he got he got a red card, so he got suspended. I think three games, and he mm. uh, when he came back, uh, Jack Aitchison had taken his spot while he was suspended, and Jack Aitchison played so well that you know Rob Edwards just couldn't bench him, and so Ibu's still having to try to earn his spot back. Um, but yeah, Ibu, the energy Ibu brings is is just unparalleled. Mm. Nicky Cadden, like you said, no, oh, that he's not staying in League Two, you know, yeah. you know, much longer. Just a brilliant player. And well, he that, got developed really well, I think, to his um, Don Bernard. Like, he was a little iffy mm-hmm. at the start of the season. I think people have doubted his ability to marshal a defense or, you know, make a play or not make a mistake. But his consistency uh, playing out of the back, I think, has, um, has been really a great point to the beginning of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it, also on the right side, you know, we Nicky Cadden gets all, all the you know credit on the left side, but Kane Wilson has been also a brilliant mm-hmm. right wing back. Um, and then, of course, you know, if, if you get if you deliver them the service, Jamil, Matt and uh, and yeah. Maddie Stevens have really come on and they're going to put them away. Um, so and, and huge credit to our defense. We, we've now had four clean sheets in a row. You know, our scoring gets a, a lot of, you know, gets all the plaudits because mm-hmm. we're we are the top scoring team right now in League Two. But we've had four clean sheets in a row. And that's a huge credit to, to goalkeeper Luke McGee and, and our defensive three uh, back back three with uh, Dan Sweeney. Um, Don Bernard, as, as Sean mentioned, and uh, then the other one comes sometimes rotates between J- Jordan Moore Taylor and um, Bailey Cargill. But yeah, it's it's a good team, man. It's a, it's a lot of talent on this team. I'm a bit terrified for next weekend. <laughs> I <would have> said <laughs> all that, but um, yeah, okay, guys, so let's sort of start to wrap it up. Uh, predictions for this weekend's game. I I, I want to keep the clean sheet going, the clean sheet streak going. So I'm gonna go. Three nil. I think we, we need some goals after the last one. Uh, I'm going three nil. And I always make this prediction. It's never come true. I'm saying Dom Bernard, our defender, gets all three goals. He gets the hat trick. He's never scored. <laughs> He's never scored. But yeah. this is the weekend. He's going to do it. Okay. I'm so gonna what do you got, Sean? I'm going to put a pound on that this weekend. And see how yeah, let's yeah. put a pound on it. <laughs> nice. nice. I, I, I'm going to say three one. I would, I'm hoping for a clean sheet, but I feel like, you know, we're going to get a little... Uh, maybe a little too frothy at the mouth trying to go forward. And I do think everyone's now we're a little bit uh, susceptible at the back. So I think Carlisle is going to, going to get one at home, especially. So three, one. Yeah, to, to be honest, I, I wouldn't disagree with either of those predictions, the way we're playing. The <laughs> um, finally, guys, I've got to ask you the question. When are you coming over to the UK? Cause we said about this last season, weren't we? You're going to get yourselves over to watch a front screen game soon. Oh, yes. We can't wait. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Wait, we're trying, yes. waiting for the right moment. To, yeah. <laughs> So we're planning uh hopefully you know hopefully 
depending on the COVID situation, all that good stuff. But uh, we're hoping February. Uh, Sean and I have a little break then. So we're hoping to come yeah. in February. Beautiful, beautiful weather that time of year in England, we hear. Uh, so we're <laughs> hoping calls. February. Yeah. And then uh, and then we want to try to get a big international group uh, in April. We want to do three games in April. It's Barrow away. So we'll get to see the old boss, oh. Mark Cooper, and get to go up to Barrow and furnace the the Riviera of England. Let me tell you now, that is that is not a journey for the lighthearted. Um, even <laughs> That's why Car- it's got to be our first, our first away mind, day. It's the closest away game for Carlisle, but because of the, how far you have to travel on the road, it's actually further than Morecambe would be if, if we still played Morecambe. It's, it, it's on, people say, because what you do is you go up the M6 and you turn off and go down this A road, and the people say it's on the end of the world's longest cul-de-sac. Because it's, yeah. it's deadly. you get to the end of the road, and that's the end of the world. Basically, you're at Barrow. Welcome to, to Barrow. It's, oh, I uh, love it. Interesting place. But so, you get tell you what, you get lovely view from their ground. I'll give them that. Yeah, yeah. So so we definitely we, so that the plan is like we do Barrow away, then there's a home match. I forget who FGR plays at home, and then mm. there's another away match at Bristol Rovers, mm. which is just right down the road, you yeah. know, from Nailsworth. So and, and we get to see another old FGR player, Aaron Collins, down there mm. at Bristol Rovers. So it's going to be a fun one. That's, that's we're trying to make a big international trip, rally the troops and uh, get going for that. But it's coming this spring yeah. slash winter, <laughs> COVID depending. Well, yeah. I am I'm hoping to get to my uh, first trip down to uh, the new lawn in January yes. when we play down there because I've still not managed to make it. Unfortunately, all the other people I travel with have all been before and they said, I'm never doing it again. It's too far. <laughs> it's too far. <laughs> yeah. And and going up that hill to the ground is yes. like, uh, like no, not, not doing it again. We never win there. So what's it's the great point? T- uh, great test of cardiovascular health for sure. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly that. Guys, thank you so much for getting up the time. I know you've got a few other bits to do with uh, with more forest green related people, I'm sure. But um, as much as I, I don't think we're going to win, I do hope we do. And uh, hopefully we'll be we're talking next January and you guys will be flying at the top and we'll finally be up in the playoffs. Yes, or or number two, right behind us. That's what I'm hoping for. You, you think, I've just seen a pig flying by my window. There, so I, I think there's, there's not much chance of that happening, but we'll, uh, we'll see. Well, well, Lee, we, we do, like we said to you on, on our pod, you know, we, we do have a soft spot for Carlisle. We're rooting for Carlisle. We hope you guys turn it around right after, after Saturday, not before Saturday, but after Saturday, we hope you right the ship, turn it around, get back on track, because Sham and I both, we got a hard, we got, you know, we got a, we got a, we got a soft spot for Carlisle. We're rooting for you guys. Um, so thank you for having us on to Lee. Always good to, to catch up and chat. Yeah. Great, really? great to capture you guys too. And, uh, like I said, good luck for the rest of the season. Oh, thank you, Lee. You too. Cheers. Okay. Thanks once again to both Nathan and Sham about for that. Uh, really appreciate them, uh, giving up a bit of their time. Uh, always good to catch up with them. It's a shame that they're not going to be, uh, getting over for the game down at Forest Green, uh, in January, but maybe you never know. We might actually catch up with the moon. Poor sods. Their the, the planned trip is they're going to come to the Barrow game. I'll uh, watch them play at Barrow. And I told them, oh, <laughs> that, that, that's a trip that most Carlisle fans aren't even looking forward to. And we only have to go down the road for it. So yeah, well, I, 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 I don't know how they're planning on getting there, but the uh, yeah, if, if it's by train, uh, I think they'll have a stunning insight into the British rail network. Yes, yes. Let's just let's just leave it there, shall we? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, this weekend's games against Forest Green Rovers. Um, referee Samuel Barrett. Um, it's his second season at EFL referee. Um, uh, this season so far, he's taken charge of ten games. He's handed out thirty-eight yellow cards and no red cards. And he's only refereed United once before, which was the 2-0 win over Forest 
not Forest Green, sorry, Scunthorpe United last season, in which Ryan Loft was booked for the visitors. So, uh, pretty average record, really, looking at it. He's not really handed out red cards this season, so, you know, we could always make a difference there. Um, Head-to-head-wise, we played them 12 times on our history, of which we've won five, drawn three, and Forest Green have won four. Classic clash, Mike. I've gone back in time, quite a way back in time, eh? Uh, I could have picked the 4-1 win when uh, Nathan Thomas got his hat-trick a couple of years ago. Mm. But I've not gone for that, no. I've gone all the way back to the first time the two sides met. as uh, Remembering United's first trip to the lawn. Not the new lawn, not the current ground. It's the old ground. That's how long ago it was. Mm. Um, where United actually uh, picked their first ever win at, at conference level. Um, so the Blues had opened up their campaign that season after relegation from the third division with... A very uninspiring nil-nil draw against Canvey Island. And that was followed up by a challenging 2-2 draw in midweek at Northwich Victoria. I think it was a little bit of a wake-up call, I think, for a lot of people as to, oh, we're not just going to steamroll everyone in this division. Yeah. Although, ironically, our next two games, we scored 10 goals in two games. Yeah. I think one was Farnborough, wasn't it? <laughs> Farnborough 7 nil. Yeah. 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 Still annoys me that we didn't get another goal to equal the all-time biggest win. But then again, we yeah. don't really want that attached to conference football, I suppose. But there you go. Yeah. Um... So yeah, the Blues started this game slowly, but then took the lead after 20 minutes with their first shot on goal. Andy Priest picked up the ball from Brendan McGill and uh, he let fly from 25 yards. He took a big deflection and uh, flew into the top corner. Um, I should say that I haven't got any highlights of this game. I can't find them anyway, which is really frustrating because I used to have the old conference football TV back in the day, didn't you? And for some mm. reason, the, the highlights of this game never appeared anywhere, I don't think. Yeah, I think they've disappeared, haven't they? Because they were all yeah. on there, but yeah. Yeah, uh, the remainder of the first half saw Rovers come close to equalising, but they missed three guilt edge chances to level the score. And after the break, a save from Glennon and a goal mouth clearance from uh, Peter Murphy kept United ahead. Uh, the hosts would continue to cause problems, but then, despite that pressure, it was United who extended their lead. It was debutant Magno Silva Riera who came off the bench to make it two 0 He initially played a through ball for Peter Murphy, who saw his shot saved, but Vieira was there to pounce on the rebound and grab his first United goal. Uh, the game was wrapped up within six minutes to go uh, when Murphy hammered the ball low past Rovers keeper Perrin, scoring all three points for the trip back to Cumbria. I've put the line-up here, Mike, from that day. Um, quite surprising, really, that there were still quite a few remnants of the previous season there, wasn't there, when you look at it? I mean, mm. you've, got, you've still got Leandrews there, Will McDonough. I mean, Leandrews actually didn't leave until the season after, did he? He didn't feature that much in the conference from memory. Um, Will McDonough was still there. He was on the bench. And um, Brian Shelley actually started this game. I completely mm. forgot that he actually started that season. Yeah, I think yeah. Paul Allison had injury, didn't he, I think? Yeah, um, no, we, I think we got Dave Baharrell in midway through that season, yeah. didn't we, as well? Yeah. And obviously, the, the lineup basically was Matty Glenn and Nett with a back four of Brian Shelley, Peter Murphy, Kevin Gray and Tom Cowan. Uh, your midfield was Brendan McGill, Chris Billy, Chris Lumsden and Carlos Rocker. And then you had Andy Priest and Carl Holly up front. And Craig Farrell came on for Carlos Rocker. And uh, Vieira came on for Andy Priest. And on the bench, you had Lee Andrews, Kenny Westwood, and Will McDonough. Yeah, it's going back in time, that'll be, isn't it? I know. I mean, you have to say, you look at that team, and, you know, we've spoken before about the sort of uh, leadership void in our current team. I mean, there's a few players there who you'd give the captain arm, captain's armband to, you know, who would sort of lead others by example. I mean, and three of that back four <laughs> would all be well, captains. Yeah, basically, you'd, yeah. You'd argue probably Matty Glennon could probably do it. Mm-hmm. Chris Lumsden definitely could do it, and Priest obviously is a you know an obvious one, really. So Chris Billy and as 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 well was uh, 
well into his thirties at that point. I think. I think Billy's one that was always a little bit quieter, though, wasn't he? Than, you, than you'd think. So. Yeah, but he was one of them whose like hard work would sort yeah. of set the set the tempo for for everyone. Led by example, didn't he? Yeah. Okay, well, let's move on to the play for both section, Mike. And uh, it's, it's a bit of a shorter one this week. There's only 11 players who played for both clubs. So I'm very interested to see who Dan has picked out as he's played for both for this. So let's hear what Dan sent us in. This week's uh, played for both is a player who's probably a, a bit of a favourite of uh, Lee's back in the day. It's the one and only who let the Heggs out, Carl Heggs. <laughs> uh, started his career at a local non-league side, Leicester United. Uh, being from the Leicester area. Uh, when he was about 2021, 20, he got a move to West Bromwich Albion, and he was actually there for about four years. Played about 40-odd games, scored the odd goal. Had a little bit of a loan at Bristol Rovers before sealing a move to Swansea for a couple of years. Uh, made, again, 40-odd appearances, scored a few goals. He then uh, moved to Northampton, uh, where he had quite a good season. Uh, I think Ian Atkins possibly signed him there. He mm. made nearly 50 appearances, scored a handful again, and then he actually went uh, in a very local move from Northampton to Rushton and Diamonds, which was uh, you know, quite a thing because they, they were rivals for a couple of years. He then had a little bit of a loan spell at Chester, where he again teamed up with Ian Atkins, but uh, he, he didn't last long there, and uh, soon rocked up at Brunton Park in July 2000, uh, signed a two-year deal, but he only spent one season with us, uh, again, under Ian Atkins. <laughs> uh, scored about five goals, in fa- including the famous one in the uh, draw at Lincoln, which is on YouTube. Uh, he then went to Forest Green, uh, where he was playing under Nigel Spink, the ex-Villa goalkeeper. Uh, he spent a season there, and then he sort of went on a, a bit of a roundabout. He went to Ilkston, Tamworth, Hinckley, Redditch, and he just seemed to go backwards and forwards between these teams for a couple of seasons. He was actually still playing in his early 40s, at Hinkley in 2013. I think he was more manager, assistant manager, and just helping out. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, this week's uh, played for both, Carl Heggs. And if you have a quick look on his Wikipedia, he's definitely uploaded the picture himself. You'll see what I mean. <laughs> OK, we'll have to have a look at uh, Carl Heggs' Wikipedia. I'm glad he chose Heggs. He, uh, mm. You know what? He was one of those players, I think, when he first arrived. He, 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 I think he had an ankle injury, didn't he? And he really struggled to make an impact. But after he had an operation and he was out for a bit, when he came back, he looked a different player. He looked like a player who could cause a few problems. And obviously that famous goal at Lincoln, it, it, it's a ridiculous finish when you look by. It's like a sort of side-footed, twisting volley, isn't it, over the keeper? Mm. And what, what Dan doesn't mention is when you watch the video on YouTube, you can see Dan on the pitch. Um, <laughs> I think he did basically <laughs> running on uh, with uh, several other people. Um but yeah, I, I liked Hexy. I don't think he was as bad. And what actually Dan f- failed to mention there is the fact that he was one of the uh, five players that um, Andrew Whitaker and Knighton famously tried to sack, didn't they? Basically, and tried to get rid of them, just sacking uh, yeah. them. And they all stood their ground and said, no, you can't sack us. We've got a contract for next season. <laughs> and basically, they all stayed. And I think the only one who ended up leaving was Hex, who got offered basically a chance to buy out his contract, basically, and said, okay, mm. if you give me this, I'll, I'll, I'll bugger off, basically. And he did. Mm. But uh, yeah, he was... Um, 
I think his son was born in Carlisle, wasn't he? I think his son's called Eden. Because he always makes a point yeah. by the fact that he's, he's got good memories of Carlisle because he, he liked to go fishing and stuff on the River Eden and bits like that. So, uh, oh, there, you so there you go. So there you go. Carl Heggs is uh, Dan's play for both of them. Let's go through the list and make it. shouldn't take as long as it normally does. Um, a lad who's still playing. He's captain of Barrow. No, Mark Ellis. He had a loan spot for a screen from United, wasn't it, I think? And um, was he part of the side yeah. actually got them out of uh, the National League? I think he was, wasn't he? I think he went I there think he loan. Was, yeah. yeah, I think he, he's won a few promotions from the National League, hasn't he? Yeah, he seems to be like a bit of an expert at dropping down to that level, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, Paul Fitzpatrick. Now, there's a blast from the past. He's from the early 90s. He scored quite a few goals. I think he used to take free kicks and penalties. Um, but he was on uh, Workington, actually, for a bit as well, towards the end of his career. I mean, playing there. Uh, Paul Fitzpatrick. Um, Chris Freestone. He's, he's a player that a lot of fans will probably try to forget. I think we had him on loan from Middlesbrough back in the day and I think he played something like five games and scored maybe one or two goals possibly I'm not 100% on that one I'll double check in a sec but uh, he then basically ended up um, I think it was either Hartlepool or um, where did he end up going after that sorry yeah he was on loan for Middlesbrough he played five games and scored two goals Um, he then ended up joining Northampton actually did quite well there but he went to Hartlepool he played 37 goals and scored uh, seven goals 37 games and scored seven goals, sorry, for them. But they all seemed to have a habit of scoring against us for some reason, which was mm. quite frustrating. Um, but yeah, so he's uh, he played for quite a few different clubs, actually, when you look down the list of clubs he's played for. I, I think he's been involved in the England setup, actually, as a coach for a bit, possibly. Because mm. if you look him up, there's a photo of him wearing England uh, jacket at some point. Um, well, that might be just for England C International, possibly. I'm not 100% yeah, on that. Um, Mo Harkin, who had a very brief spell with United in the uh, start. I think it was start of uh, Collins' time in charge, wasn't it, I think? Mm. He's one of the famous players. Cause we had about seven or eight players on like one-month contracts, didn't we? I think or something like that. Mm. And I think he was one of them. And I think he played about six or seven games before leaving. Heggs obviously previously mentioned. Um, the one I thought Dan might pick, but he didn't. Liam Noble. Mm. He had a, a decent spell at Forest Green. Quite popular down there, like he was with United. Um, I think he's in Morpeth Town now, or something like that, I think. Some, some, but wasn't he on like a three-year deal or something mad? Something well? something crazy like that. I think they're yeah. one of those northeast clubs that's quite ambitious at the moment. Mm. Um, Lenny Pidgeley, uh, yeah, his spell at Forest Green, he didn't actually play a game for them, but he was there. Um, Damon Searle, uh, so he was with United for a couple of seasons toward the end of the 90s. Um, he actually scored in the Forest Green's victory over United in the conference season. He scored the winning goal in that game. Uh, Michael Taylor, uh, I can't know if you remember him, Mike. He no. was on loan from Blackburn, I think, under Roddy Collins, I think. Signed around about the same time we had Sutton and Farrell on loan, I think. I seem to remember. Um, Magno Vieira, obviously previously mentioned, scored on his debut for United against Forest Green. Probably the only other club he had a really good spell at was Forest Green, wasn't it? He was uh, mm. very popular down there. And uh, the less said about the last one, the better. Paul Warhurst, so there you go. Um Let's talk about Forest Green themselves then, Mike. Um, probably fair to say it's no surprise to anyone on this podcast about their good start, is it? I think all three of us predicted they would finish yeah. in the top three, and I even went for top spot, which I'll keep mentioning as long as they are <laughs> on top of the league. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not really a big shock that they're right up there, is it? No, not not at all. And and they've, they've, they've had a, a sort of mixed bag of games so far this season, haven't they? I think they've played Tranmere and they've played Exeter. It was sort of two of the, the tougher mm. games, and uh, obviously they haven't dropped points against them, and they've been picking up points against the uh, 
lesser teams like us. So, um, yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. Not, when you put yeah. it like that, it does make you real, doesn't it? I mean, it is interesting, like you say, I think did they, I think they drew both of those games nil-nil, didn't they, against yeah, uh, I think so. Exeter and Tranmere. So it shows that they're keeping out the, the better, what you might consider the better sides anyway. Um, mm. They're an interesting club, aren't they, both on and off the field? I mean, yes, I mean, clearly with the crowds they get, they do have a bit of money behind them to sustain the club at football league level. But... They're not throwing bucket loads of money at player wages, are they, when you look at the squad they've got? No, they're, they're not doing like it a Salford. In, yeah, they're doing it in quite a sustainable uh, way. Um, Fairly yeah, similar to what we're doing in the sense that they, they're signing young players that they can potentially sell on, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, they're kind of a, an actual football league club now. You know, I mean, for years, I think, I don't know what it is, but I feel like when you get relegated, you kind of look for the most tin pot sounding team <laughs> and be like, oh, I can't believe that we're playing against the likes of Forest Green Rovers. Yeah, exactly. But to, what you said, to be fair, we all said that when we went down to the conference that season. Yeah, we yeah. all said, God, we're playing Forest bloody Green Rovers this season. Exactly. And likewise, when Leeds got relegated from the Championship, they were like, oh, I can't believe that we're playing against Carlisle United. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. That's true. It's true. It's a fair point. But yeah, uh, it's one of those ones, isn't it? And you, and I think there was still a little slight feeling of that when they came into the league. But actually, even though they're not getting the crowds probably that a lot of clubs would get, like like say a Wrexham or a mm. Notts County or a Grimsby would get coming back up into the league, they're a well-run club and they, they seem to be ambitious. And, you know, they're not investing stupid amounts of money in like paying transfer fees and stuff like that. They're just looking at getting good coaches and good players in yeah. on, on the right budget. And if they sell, they sold a couple of plays last season, didn't they? And they're like, you know, when they went, no, it's fair enough. They've gone. You know, we'll we'll reinvest some money and and move on. And that's the difference, isn't it? And yeah, definitely. They, we, they, we we never seem to cope when that happens with us. And no, we, we them, never seem to reinvest in the same way. There seems to be a delay in terms of getting us back to that level, doesn't there? Yeah, exactly. And Exeter, another one who seem to lose players, but they just seem to still always be knocking around that end of the table, regardless. Although it should be said, I mean, they've still not managed to get out of this league as well, so it's a, it's a fair well, point. Yeah. Um, they've got big ambitions for a screen. They, at the moment, they're a village team, aren't they? Because they're basically based in a small town, Nailsworth. It's it's a village. It's, yeah. you know, calling it a town is very generous, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's I think it's smaller than Cockermouth, actually. That's how small mm. the town is. Um, Stroud's the nearest proper town, isn't it? And that's about... Mm seven or eight miles away, something like that. So you can't mm. go there by train, basically, unless you want to fork out a decent wedge for a taxi there and back. Um, but yeah, they what they're planning to do is they want to become a county club, don't they? So they want to represent Gloucestershire. Mm. away. From, I think away from Cheltenham and Gloucester, which are right next to each other, away mm. from that, they want to target the wider Gloucestershire area. So what they're planning is they're looking to build a new modern wooden stadium, which fits in with their... Eco ethos, doesn't it? Um, which mm. will be right by a junction of the M5, basically. And I think the idea is they'd look at, I don't know if it's quite close to a railway line as well. They might look to get a station there or something. Mm. But basically, they've got big ambitions, haven't they? I, I don't know where the stage is with the stadium development at the moment, but, you know, they're, they're, they're a club that is aiming to, to get themselves to League One, I think, at the very least. Yeah, definitely. And uh, they've, they've got the ambition and they, you know, seem to you know, be able to keep hold of some quality players at least and uh, replace those those who leave. And good good luck to them. I only wish that we were ran in a similar manager but kept the meat pies. <laughs> yeah, definitely keep the meat pies. Um, yes, I mean, interesting you mentioned that. Obviously, they've managed to keep the majority of their squad together this season and they've added to key areas, plus made an interesting, and I think it's so far to say, 
Good appointment as manager by bringing Rob Edwards in. Um, he's the former Wolves and Blackpool midfielder, not the Rob Edwards who played for us in the early 90s. Um, it's his first full-time EFL management role and he's taken to it like a duck to water. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's previously had uh, spells as manager of AC, AFC Telford, Wolves under-23s and England under-16s. And it, I think it's given him a sort of interesting and diverse coaching outlook, doesn't it? Um He's looking at all places, and he? he's obviously had to deal with non-league football. He's had to deal with players who are not quite at the professional level yet, and they, they wanted to push on to be professionals. And then also, he's also done with the the ones who are just starting out in the game as well. And I think he had a bit of involvement in England 18s as well. So that gives him a different look, really, to the game, doesn't it? To maybe I'd say someone like a Chris Beach, who's obviously been involved. I know he's been involved in youth football, that, but he's mainly been involved at League One, League Two football as a coach for the last mm. 10, 12 years, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, because it was a bit of a, uh, I don't know, two sides of a coin when they got rid of Cooper, in that, like, will we do better, or has he been keeping us at this end? Yeah, holding them back, you know, basically. Yeah, uh, and it seems, certainly so far, that um, it, it, it was the right thing to do, getting rid of Cooper, but they had these sort of, sort of starts to the season under under him and it would come away, wouldn't it? So That's yeah. true, that's true. But he, by all accounts, Cooper can be uh, an abrasive person, <laughs> I think it's fair to say. That's one way that's, to put it. That's, that's the way a lot of people report him, <laughs> um, whereas Edwards is a, a bit younger, a bit more up and coming. He might be a little bit more understanding, possibly. I, I, yeah. I don't know, to be honest. But all the signs... Initially, uh, that he's getting the best out of a young but talented squad, and one of those players we picked for star man is uh, Matty Stevens. I mean, mm. Jamil Matt's the one everyone focuses on, isn't he? Because at this level, you know, he, he scores goals. He's an experienced target man, and he was the main man in tack for them last season. But this time around, it's Stevens who stepped up to the plate. He's prior to this season, his goal scoring record's pretty terrible. Actually, <laughs> when you look at it, mm. he, um, I think he started out at Barnet. He didn't score that many, but then Peterborough, the kind of club that you know likes to pick out players from non-league levels and develop them. They signed him and he didn't really play too much for people. He went out on loan a few times. He had one impressive loan spell at uh, Ketting where I think he got to like 25 goals in 44 appearances over a season for them. But for Forest Green last season, he only managed two league goals and then he was shipped out to Stevenage alone in the second half of the campaign. He only scored once in 18 appearances, albeit 14 of those were as, as a sub. So he basically mm. was a backup strike for them. Mm. Um but something's clicked under Edwards, and the guys mm. from Heaven's Devil said that, like, it, it just, they were speaking to him, and he basically said, they said to him, what's the difference? And he said, the manager believes in me. You know, mm. he's worked really closely on my game. He said, I can see what you're good at and what you're not good at, and let's work on developing and making the things you're not good at better. And it seems mm. to be working, and it shows sometimes it's not always about signing the finished product as a player, is it? Because, I mean... Yeah, definitely. Most, I'd say most people would not put money on him to be top scorer in League 2 this season. And yet, no. he's got six goals in 10 games so far this season. Mm. As many, that's as many as he managed in all competitions last campaign. Mm. And all of them are coming League 2, and he's the top scorer. Yeah, and he doesn't look like he's going to stop anytime soon either, does he? So, yeah, yeah I mean, it's quite hard to pick a key player for them, to be honest, because they really do have quite a few. And that, yeah. Um, yeah. Nicky Cadden as well, he had a good game against us. We're, we're both huge fans of him, aren't we? He's one of those players, I mean, yeah, Dan definitely yeah. is, and Dan always says, like, he's another one of those Scottish players who you look and think we've missed out on there. Yeah, we, we, yeah. Could, we should really have been, that's the sort of player we should be targeting in the Scottish lower leagues, really. Yeah, I, think, exactly. I mean... Problem is, we did that a couple of seasons ago, didn't we? Signed uh, Idale and um, 
uh, what's his name? Who's at Dundee now? Christy the Rolls Royce. The Rolls Royce. Sorry, how could I forget? Yeah. Um, and we we got Stefan Skugel, who admittedly I think did we get him from Sheffield? United? He was Sheffield United. He's, he's, he's from, from Scotland, isn't he? Yeah. Um, so yeah, he he's one we signed, and um, I don't know. I think he was at Livingston, wasn't he? By the time we signed him, Skugel, maybe. Ah, uh, maybe. Not hundred percent of that, but um, but yeah, I mean, he might look and say, oh, we you know we've been you know once bitten twice shy with that, but. Idel's proven he's a good player. He's yeah. playing at League One level now. None of our players are. Um, exactly. So, so yeah, it's um, you, you're right. I mean, Cadden's a great player. He's, he really is. And Kane Wilson on the other uh, wing back flank is another mm. one that they uh, they highlighted from the uh, Heaven's Devils podcast. Um, on top of that, I mean, Jack Hendry's come down from Scotland from Ross County, and he he's done really well by all accounts. And the aforementioned Jamil Matt, I mean, he's got a bit of experience in Nels up front, and now the pressure's off him. Because he he's not the only real you know main goal scorer in their squad, is he? Mm. When you look at it, Stevens is now contributing, and that that means Matt can contribute in other areas as well as looking to score goals, can't he? And that's the probably the big thing they were missing, weren't they? Actually, they had Matt as a goal scorer, but they never had anyone else until now. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And I, I I mean, you know, they they put us to shame to be honest, because uh, you know. We've had many managers over the years use our location as an excuse for why we can't have good players, but they're in the middle of nowhere as well. And yeah. you know, and you know, like we said before, not only are they getting good players in, but they're able to keep a lot of them as well. Yeah, I mean, they've picked off a few players from like Newport and Bristol City and places mm. like that, but they're managing to drag players down from Scotland to come and play for them. Exactly. Why so aren't we if, doing that? If they can, why can't we? Yeah. Why aren't we doing that? that that's a, that's a big question to ask, isn't it? Um, not a huge amount of departures over the summer for them outside probably the lone players going back I think it was Odin Bailey wasn't it that went back to Birmingham City yeah yeah um, he, he looked very good for them he uh, did. as well he did yeah but the, <laughs> it doesn't look like they're missing him so far I mean Chris Stokes is probably the one that you may have looked at and thought they might be missing his experience but actually so far it's not really made much of a difference has it they've, they've coped mm. fine without him so fair play to them Um so yeah, results-wise, the only real big slip-up so far was the 2-0 defeat at home to Port Vale a few games ago. And actually, the Valiants are probably looking a bit better than we expected this season so far, aren't they? Mm. Um, outside of that, it's been goals galore. I mean, they won 6-3 against Crawley uh, earlier in the season. And they, they weren't keeping clean sheets to start with they? in August. They didn't manage to keep a single clean sheet. And then come yeah. September, something's clicked. And they've mm. played four games and they haven't conceded a single goal in those four games. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, Stevenage were my dark horse. I think, were they your dark horse as well? Uh, I don't know if they were, but they, I, I would have, you know, seconded you saying that they're one of those teams to watch out for. Yeah. And <laughs> Not doing well, are they? Well, no, but I mean, you know, Forest Green tanked them 4-0, so... Yeah. yeah, they're certainly uh, not a, a team to be messed with this season. Absolutely not, absolutely not. Um, right, well, let's touch on United then, Mike. Uh Injuries-wise, obviously, you mentioned Josh Dixon is out. Uh, looks like Tristan Abrams could be a doubt as well. He picked up a knock-in training before the Sutton game. Um, he's having a scan, I think, on it. We probably won't find out about that until Thursday or Friday in the pre-match uh, press conference, which obviously we were recording before, so we don't know. Um, how do you bounce back from such a poor performance and defeat last weekend? Does he need to make big changes? Because managers are always reluctant to make wholescale changes. It gives an impression that they've lost the plot a bit. And mm. if that doesn't work, then people say, well, what else can he do? He's, he's just he's just lost the destiny. That, that's where an issue comes with that, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I keep saying it. It's, it's not about wholesale changes. It's not about changing the entire 11 and changing the way that they play. If he, You know, if he's got his little 11 that he likes, he can play that, but just have them play football. That's... Mm. 
literally the only thing that needs changing. And, you know, if it doesn't work, you know, make changes from that. But clearly, doing what we're doing isn't working. So yeah. it, it needs a change somewhere. It's funny because um, uh, someone said, I think it was after the game, was saying, we do all those little passing triangles and stuff in the yeah. match water. What, what's the bloody point? We yeah. never do any of them on the pitch. But the, there you go. The, the, they may as well just stand half the team <laughs> on the halfway line, the, the other half. It. Yeah, exactly, like on the goal line and it, just it, hoof it. Well, it was somewhere, I read somewhere someone was saying that in terms of tactics, I might have heard this, it might, be, it might have even been Cameron that said it's on the way back or someone, but the problem is with a lot of British teams is they play direct football, but then they never actually practice. Oh, that, passing. That, yeah, that was me. Yeah, yeah, it was you. I, sorry, I, yeah, yeah. I learned that on, on, on a coaching course. I, mad, I, I, in fact, I learned a few long ball passing drills. If Chris, yeah. Chris Beach wants to uh, give me a call sometime, um, <laughs> you, you know, if that's what you want to do, practice it, yeah. work on it. Yeah. You know, work around it. Last, <laughs> yeah. Last proper preview episode we did, I mentioned: Is it time to break up the midfield free? I think that question stands again. I think: Is it time? I mean, Riley started the season really well, but actually, last couple of games he's looked a little bit ropey. And we mm. like him; we think he's a good player. You might even want to use him as a right back, maybe even possibly. He's he's not looking quite the same. Callum Guy again. I know he's captain, but he's not been the same Callum Guy this season so far. And we mm. know he's a great player. Mm. His set pieces don't look as strong either, really. And it's and that's not one hundred percent his fault, but the delivery wise isn't always the best. And mm. Do you break that up? And I mean, I've not mentioned Melisandre delivery because I think most would probably agree he's probably the one of the midfield three at the moment. He you wouldn't drop because he's playing so well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I said before, with Clough, if we're if we're going to play football, Clough will be brilliant for us. How do you but fit him in the team though? Play football, <laughs> but, but how how do we fit him into the lineup? Because Beach doesn't seem to know how he, he he's no, really struggling with that one, isn't he? That's that's the problem. Yeah, I mean, I mean. At the minute, I, I, I maybe wouldn't begrudge seeing Riley have a little spell out the team. Maybe I mean some people have said play him at right back, but I think that's a bit unfair on Mella to be honest with you. Mm. Um, yeah, and sort of play uh, Mellish and Guy as a two and uh, Clough a bit further on. But does uh, Mellish uh, need sort of that other midfielder alongside him? You know, for when he goes a bit f- further forward to to cover. I'm not. I'm not 100 sure he does. I think he's. I think. I think. I think it's worth a look to see if mm. it works. Because, like I said, Riley wasn't doing much covering at the weekend. Unfortunately, mm. he was really struggling. So you never know. Um, but yeah, I think he's got to find a way of fitting Cough into this team. He's got to yeah. get the best out of him. If we're paying him like the amount of money we probably are paying him, he's probably mm. going to be our best paid player. Mm. You've got to get the best out of him. You've got to find a way of getting him in that starting lineup. Yeah, exactly. Another well, player, you know- I think. Sorry, go on, Mike. Well, I was just going to say, even playing play him as a number nine, mm. you know, and I know he said he prefers to play as a 10, but he has played as a nine before. And it's not like we've got anyone else playing in that position doing a brilliant job right now. So it won't make any difference if we're a little bit long to him, though, will it? Um, mm. You say you haven't got anyone else playing in that position at the moment. Um, Brad Young. Wow. Is it time we yeah. went with him and a bit of youth and energy in the striker role? He looked lively when he came on. He did as well as he could yeah. in very difficult circumstances. He played, I mean, we don't talk about the game itself really, but no. he did play in the Peter Trophy game in midweek. He scored twice. And from what it looks like, he looked like he was the one causing all the problems and actually having all the chances. And maybe we need to just be bold and go with it. I, I don't want to see Alessandro starting there this week. And that's not no. a problem with Alessandro. He just isn't working. And yeah. Beach needs to realise that. We, we said when we saw that starting lineup, we looked and we thought, 
where the goals coming from in that attack, mm. really, mm. in the way we're playing at the moment. We just didn't really have the confidence that it was going to happen. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, would you agree, yeah, Young worth a chance? Yeah, yes. You know, certainly, uh, I think he's 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 done enough for me when he's come off the bench. He's looked lively enough. And yeah. if, we, if we are going to insist on long ball, he seems to at least want to challenge. give it a go and yeah. challenge for it. At least cause well, problems so. to the defenders, which... Abraham's really wasn't doing when he's in there, and Alessandro's not that kind of player. No, either, which so. again, you know, I do keep saying you can't totally blame Abraham's for that, but because no. that's not what he is about. But you know, I think Young is for me. He's done enough in every, every time I've seen him come up, come off the bench. He's he's done enough to, and he he looks like he wants to start games yeah. as well. Yeah, he does. You know, when he comes on, so de- definitely for me, yes. Yeah, there's there's a there. noticeable difference between the way he looks when he comes on and plays and everything. To what Elias Sorensen looked like when he was on loan yeah, in Newcastle. Yeah, exactly. He, he looks like he really wants to be and he wants to make an yeah. impact and he looks angry that he's mm. not playing and he's not been involved. Mm. So fair play to him. Before we get onto the match predictions, Mike, uh, quickly, defence and keeper. Do we need change there? Is it maybe time Morgan Feeney had a run? We, we mentioned the fact that Corey Whelan didn't have the greatest game at centre-back of the weekend. No, Is it worth I mean, maybe Whelan, uh, sorry, Feeney having a game? Yeah, I mean, Whelan has had some good games, but I I, I do think that feeling for me, uh, feeling, uh, <laughs> feeling for me, yeah, he's like the hybrid. Um, <laughs> yeah, Feeney does look like a very good player, and I think long term, you know, because obviously he's had his fitness issues, but mm. he should be one of the first names on the team sheet when fit. And by all accounts, he had a good game the other night. So mm. yeah, why 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 not stick him in there? Is it worth Lucas Jensen having a go between the sticks? Yeah, I mean, I'm willing to pick my gloves off the shelf, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, 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 the way Norman's been playing, uh, I'm yeah. a bit overweight, but, you know, uh, I think I'd, uh, I can at least get to the end of my six-yard yard box uh, by the time my corner lands. Um, yeah, yeah I, I mean, I say it doesn't need wholesale changes, but... You're not talking so round to him, are you? <laughs> yeah. There you go, there you go. Yeah. Right, let's do match predictions then, Mike. Um, so Dan sent me his, I'll do Dan's first. So here's what Dan's predictions are. My prediction for this Saturday, uh, couldn't get much tougher really. Forest Green at home, probably the strongest team in the league so far. Uh, they haven't conceded for four games. The top for a reason. I think we'd be happy with a draw, so I'm hoping we can sort of get a... Maybe a one-all draw, and I'll go for Brad Young to get a chance and score the goal. There you go, Dan's uh, giving us his uh, prediction there. Mike, what's yours going to be? Well, I'm going to do, a, I think, a podcast first, and I'm going to back us to lose, to be honest. What? With, because I, honest, I can't see past it. I mean, we are unbeaten at home, I think, still, yeah. aren't we? I think that's yeah. worth noting. Three games. <laughs> yeah, but I think from what I see, our players there's just no sort of bounce back ability in them, and I, I think we'll lose two 0 Wow, two 0 defeat. Yeah. There you go. You're gonna go for an attendance. Dan didn't give us his, but I'll, I'll get it off him at the end. Uh, I'll go for four thousand and twenty-two. I think you know it's, gonna, it's, it's gonna be low. I was gonna say four thousand and twenty-three. And I'm going to stick with that just to cut you <laughs> Oh, off you're one of them. 4,023, I'm going with Dennis. My prediction yeah. for the game, when I did it with the lads from Heaven's Devils, I said I thought we were going to lose 2-1. It was the first time I'd done that. I can't believe I'm going to do this. 2-1 win. 
2-1 win, John Mellish and Brad Young goals. 4,023 there. The comeback's on. The Beach Boys are back. I mean, it would Did be I sound very... like I believe that? <laughs> <laughs> it would be very Carlisle United for that to happen. To oh, yeah, it'd be so typical. Absolutely typical, you know. And we'll have yeah. a barnstorming game where we basically just batter them, basically, for most of it. Yeah. But yeah, I'm going to go for a 2-1 win. Why not? Let's just mix it up a little bit. There I'll you have what, you, what you've been drinking, to be yeah, honest with you. Yeah, but... Exactly, exactly. Right, so let's go on to the X-Files, Mike, so before we round it up. Um, lots to cover. We've got two weeks here worth here, so here we go. Ryan Bowman, he scored a goal for Shrewsbury versus Sheffield Wednesday. I think it was a 1-1 draw. Big result that for Shrewsbury because they've been mm. struggling this season. Um, Charlie White's finally got off the, the mark for Wigan. And my word is he got off the mark. Three games mm. in a row he scored. He got a brace for Wigan against Accrington Stanley. And then he scored goals against Cheltenham and Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, Max Aimer, he scored, but unfortunately it was in the wrong net for Gillingham as they were beaten 4-1 by MK Dons. Uh, Matty Douglas has been busy. Um, he scored a goal for Annan in their win over Elgin City, but then got sent off against Edinburgh City. Um, Arthur Ganua, he uh, got himself on the score sheet for Morecambe. Two goals in their win over Crew Alexandra. They're having a hell of a good season, Morecambe, aren't they? They really are as well. So yeah, much better than they expected. Yeah, definitely. And I, I thought they'd come straight back down, but oh, me, it shows what me I know. Yeah. Ashton Nelson was sent off for Crawley in their game against Harrogate. Harrogate, again, having a brilliant season this season so mm. far. Um, Connor Thompson. Uh, former sort of youth team and was first year professional, but then Cal- the uh, curl had no interest in playing him. Um, he scored a brace for Blythe Spartans. They beat FC United of Manchester in the FA Cup. Um, interestingly, this game was also famous for the fact that uh, ex United youth keeper Alex Mitchell um, became famous for his time wasting. Basically, if you've seen the video of this, Mike, it's quite funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the fact that he turned his back and then the ball hit his head and. A proper arsehole would have just gone down there like he was injured. But he sort of like hit his head and then turned around like, well, why are you doing that? You just wasted more time. <laughs> but there you go. Um, so that was uh, Connor Thompson. Paddy Madden, he scored a goal for Stockport County in their 2-1 win over Wrexham. Not a great start for Aaron Hayden there so far. They've just outside the playoffs, mm. I think, in the National League. Um, ben Richards-Everton, former youth player, he scored a goal for Barnet in their win over Weymouth. Uh, Ashley Easton scored a, a vital 90th minute equaliser for Salford City in their 2-2 draw with Northampton. Big result that because Salford are really struggling so far this season. Yeah, really are. Yeah, really finding it tough. Um, uh, it's another week, another Cole Stockton goal haul. Uh, he scored a brace for Morecambe in their 3-3 draw over Accrington Stanley. And then he scored a goal v Lincoln City in their win against them the other night. Uh, Stephen Rigg, I think, got his first goal since re-signing for Workington. Uh, in their game against 1874 Northwich. George Waring scored a goal for Chester in their big win over Blythe Spartans. And Kedwin Scott once again scored for Gated in their win over Gloucester City. That, that's ridiculous, isn't it? That's National League North. Mm. And it's Gated against Gloucester City. Yeah, that's how like ridiculous the... Yeah, uh, the split can be on that, isn't yeah. it? It's, it's daft. Uh, in terms of transfers, just a couple here. Jordan Cook, he signed for Hartlepool after leaving Gated over the summer. And Ethan Walker has joined AFC Filed on an emergency loan deal. Bit of a drop down for him, isn't it, really? But, I uh, thought he could still do a job for us, to be honest. I think it's one of those ones he just needs to sort of reset, really, doesn't he? Go out and mm. get a loan, get a few games, and probably get a longer loan in January, I'd guess, at a higher level. Uh, in terms of other bits of news, uh, we missed this one last time. Stephen O'Halloran, he stepped up from a player assistant a player role to a player assistant manager role at Staley Bridge Celtic. Uh, Brad Potts signed a new deal at Preston North End. On the photos, he was flagged by his agent or representative, mm. none other than Graham Kavanagh, who's in that role now. Uh, Liam McCarran, your mate Mike, uh, he signed a new two-year deal at Leeds United. 
He also was on the bench for them again the other day, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, By all accounts, from that Holdsworth interview the other week, we're due quite a bit of money when he plays for Leeds. So nice, nice when fingers he crossed does. for that. When he finally does. Uh, the final little bit of news, uh, it's a new job role for Paul Simpson at Bristol City. He's now the first team coach with Curtis Fleming, the ex-United guest v Shelbourne, remember that? Uh, he's taken on the assistant head coach there role under Nigel Pearson. So quite a Cal United connection there, coaching team, isn't there? Mm. That's fair to say. And that's it, Mike. Uh, another bumper episode for everyone there this week. Uh, thanks to all our sponsors, uh, the London branch, obviously, that sponsored the second half of the show. Uh, remember, you can subscribe to the podcast uh, on all good podcast apps, Spotify, Acast, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. If you can give a review on any of those apps, please do and give us a five-star review. More people will find out about it. Uh, if we're not on an, an app that you use, let us know. We can try and get onto that app as well. Uh, and you can follow us on social media, at Brunton Bugle on Twitter. We're also on Facebook. Uh, you can email us, bruntonbugle at gmail.com. And we're on the, the, the cumbrians.net message board and on the Be Just and Fear Not Facebook group as well. Uh, in terms of upcoming episodes, we'll be back next week with a preview of the Bristol Rovers game. And uh, we're going to hopefully be recording my CUFC 11 episode next week. If we can fit it in with Dan, I'm hoping to get that done. And that's it, Mike, isn't it, I think, for another week? Yeah, I think that's covered all the... Uh... All the boxes. Let's hope that uh, next week's isn't a <laughs> miserable. Hopefully, we'll be a bit yeah. more upbeat. We'll be happy and we'll be talking. Right, this is the start of the recovery. But I think it's probably fair to say we're not overly optimistic about that, are we? Yeah. Well, you know, I tell you what. One thing that we didn't mention: if mm. we are to lose, will Beach still be here for next week? <sighs> Depends on the performance and the result, really, isn't it? If mm. it's another four 0 then he had to go. He has mm. to. And if that happens, or, it, we'll, or we'll, is it kind of a bit of a free pass game because Forest Green are good anyway? Do you know what I mean? Who knows? Who knows? Mm. Mike, thanks for your time as usual, and thanks everyone yep, for listening. Cheers. Up the blues. Up the blues.